Big So it's springtime here in Maryland, on the East Coast, well, I guess all of the United States, and the flowers are blooming, and it's beautiful. One of my favorite things to do in the spring is to go out and collect dandelions with my son. He helps me pick them all, and then I take them, I just cut the flowers off the very tip, and then I make dandelion wine. And we do the same thing with honeysuckles. I make honeysuckle wine. And it is absolutely delicious. It's like sunshine in a bottle. Man, I really love to smell the flowers in the springtime. Curioso. A curioso is someone who inquires in esoteric matters. A collector of knowledge. Curioso Podcast. Hey, Joe, it's time to stop and smell the flowers. Yeah, Chris, it's springtime. And they're all over the place. Yeah, darn dastardly blooming flowers. Oh, you don't have allergies. I know, I'm lucky I don't have any allergies. Yeah, have none. You know, uh, my wife, Dana, my, my wife. Uh, my wife. <laughs> Dana has like the worst allergies. She's got all of them. She does. <laughs> she, she's not, she, the only thing, she's allergic to everything that's not like the normal stuff. Okay. Like she's not allergic to peanuts, right? Just peanuts? Yeah, no, but some people are allergic to peanuts. She's not. Like those are like the normal ones. Right, are, right, right. And then she's uh, not allergic to like strawberries. Like some people are allergic. She's not allergic to strawberries. Like huh. anything that has a pit, she's allergic to though. Like like plums. Plums, peaches. Dates. Uh, apples, she's allergic to. Apples don't have pits. No, but they have seeds. It has to do with like whatever branch of the botanary tree. Okay. It, 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 it Like, she's allergic to all of that stuff. Oh, um, wow. Avocados. Huh. Uh, it makes her itchy. Those, those are all, like, members of the nightshade family, I think. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. But she is allergic to all of them. Wow. And uh, it gives her hives. But then again, she's also allergic to the sun. So <laughs> she gets hives. I'm, I'm Wait, not, is Dana a vampire? You no, know, no. But <laughs> she gets hives uh, when, when the sunlight hits her. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. I get hives in the cold. Hmm. Yeah, my thighs. I get high cold. thighs. High <laughs> <laughs> When I'm really cold. <laughs> Gross. They get itchy. Ew. I get itchy thighs in the cold. It's, it's so not, weird. It's not weird. It's it's a thing. It's okay. A, it's a reaction. You. I yeah. believe you. It's a so, thing. But we're not here to talk about my thighs, Joe. Nope. We're <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> we're here to talk about flowers. Yeah, flowers. The language thereof. And also some weird and strange flowers. Right. Now, we have talked about the corpse flower. We have. It blooms, geez, what is it, every... Century, I think? Yeah. Close to? Yeah, but uh, it sinks. Like... It stinks. It stinks real bad. Like, yeah, rotten everything. Yeah, so that it can bring in, uh, I believe, flies for... Yeah, mostly flies. Yeah, so that it'll... It uses flies instead of bees. To help pollinate, right? Right, right. Isn't that what it does? Mm-hmm. And yeah, we, we so. talked about some other meat-eating plants. Right. In our carnivorous plants episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and some of them, some of those carnivorous plants, flower. Right. This episode, we're talking about primarily flowers themselves. Correct? Yeah. Okay. And any kind of weird ones we can sort of parcel Stick in out. There. And, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. A nice bouquet, as it were. A bouquet. A bouquet. I like bouquets. And for this episode, we are actually having some summer honey wheat beer. 
I thought, you know, it's summertime, springy time. Flowers, honeys, uh, bees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It all goes together. Right. So as far as I can tell, the language of flowers is a practice with a 200-year tradition, at least here in the States. In England and most of the rest of the world, it can date back several thousand years. Mm-hmm. The term language of flowers was first used in 1809. It's also known as florography. Florography. It's the use of flowers as symbolism to denote emotion, feeling, uh, meaning. So basically, here's a flower. It has a meaning. I'm handing it to you. You better know what it means that I'm handing you this flower. The language of flowers emigrated to Europe from the New World, and they think it came from Turkey where right. there was a custom known as salam mm-hmm. that was used to like communicate meaning through gifts. So instead of like writing letters, right. uh, like the giving of gifts and, and the different gifts that you give have different meanings. Right. So it kind of like came from that mm-hmm. and moved to flowers because they're prettier. Right. It was really, really popular in England during the 16 and 1700s. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came over to the, to the States in the 19th century, 1800s. Right. Victorian society folk would carry with them like these little small, like dictionaries almost, like mm-hmm. floral dictionaries. Right. So when you would see a flower in a shop or in a, a bouquet. It's like a, like a flower decoding ring. Exactly, exactly. Because, I mean, even now, it's sort of a version of cryptography. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a secret code, you know, what flower, what color, how many there are, what's the arrangement. And with like 270,000, thousand different kinds of flowers in the world, you need a decoder ring. Yeah, I don't know if they would put all of them in the pocket dictionary. No, these this is for the most popular ones that were used in that time frame. Right. So but the problem was at the time, a lot of the different little f- floral dictionaries, they didn't necessarily sync up. Mm-hmm. So if, if... Oh, even today, you try looking up the meaning of flowers, the language right. of flowers, I have found different versions for the same flower... Uh, all over the place. Right. So it's like, it's it's the same idea of how we were talking about like the cryptography mm-hmm. of it. So if you are going to give someone flowers and, you know, you're kind of into this and it has like different meanings, you better make sure that they have the same floral dictionary as you do. <laughs> right. Otherwise, correct. so I have an example here. So a pretty purple flower called Sweet William. Mm-hmm. In one of the dictionaries, it was said to project gallantry. And on the other hand, another interpretation meant that this will be our last. So hmm. so it could either mean gallantry or you're out of here. We're done. Right, right, <laughs> you know? exactly. The Victorian people would also carry around these, they were called talking bouquets, mm-hmm. also known as nosegays or tussy mussies. Mm-hmm. Basically, the nosegay actually refers to an ornament for the nose. right. So the, the smell, it's an ornament for your nose to smell. Mm-hmm. So this practice actually dates back to medieval England, where they used something similar to a, like a prom corsage. Right. So it, it was a small gift that you would give someone, either from your house garden or, you know, the, the frou-frou, uppity, you know, expensive florist. Mm-hmm. Because you have to think, back in medieval times, Victorian England, people kind of stank. Right. You know, everything was kind of smelly. It depends where you are now. That's That could still be the case, Joe. Well, I'm saying. Especially you, springtime, summertime, starts to get hot. <laughs> yeah. You know, but you're I mean, going to Comic-Con. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> A lot of stinky Comic-Con people. 
But it's a neat idea that it comes from such an old time. Mm-hmm. Just to give someone this little bouquet of flowers that they would wear on their lapel or something, just to have a little breath of of sweet smelling flower next to their their nose. Right. Just to pin that nosegay on me. Right. Mm-hmm. A little mussy tussy. Yeah. Tussy mussy. <laughs> the idea can also be seen in the Hebrew Bible, where it's used for symbols of love. William Shakespeare's Hamlet. The Hanakotoba, which is the Japanese form of the language of flowers, or the ikebana, which is the arranging of flowers, also known as kado, the way of the flower. And that dates back to the 7th century. Some of the most famous language of flowers books or terms of that 1900s or the 19th century, Kate Greenway's The Language of Flowers, 1884, Henry Phillips, The Floral Emblems, 1825. Joseph Hammers, The Dictionary de Language de Fleurs. I think I said that right. <laughs> uh, 1809. Uh, even Edgar Allan Poe, The Poetry of Flowers and The Flowers of Poetry, 1841. Mm-hmm. So we've been using flowers as symbols, as meaning, as cryptography. Right. As words, basically, for a very very long time. So before we get into some weird ones, let's talk about some everyday flowers so we can kind of get into that frame, you know, that, that frame of mind, mm-hmm. what, we're, what we're talking about. Lilies. What do you think of when I say lilies? Aren't lilies typically having to do with funerals? Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. And why, why would you know that? Uh, the, the, I just, aren't they're always... I, I've always seen them at funerals. You mm-hmm. go to a funeral, you know, and they're there for your person that you knew. Yeah, yeah, and and it just—I don't know if they—I don't think they signify death, but they, you know, no, uh, most commonly uh, associated with innocence, mm-hmm. and also innocence being restored to the soul once departed. The white lily expresses majesty and purity where the white stargazer lily specifically symbolizes sympathy. What if I said orchids, Chris? Okay, Joe, orchids are really weird. <laughs> they are. What I find weird about them is they have, what, 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 are, what do they call it? Bilateral symmetry. Mm-hmm. So unlike most flowers, they only have symmetry if you cut them down one way. Right. You typically directly in half. Mm-hmm. As where other flowers, you can look at them and cut them in several different ways around the radius and they will be completely symmetrical all the way around. Yeah. You know, yeah. but but they're not so with, mm-hmm. with orchids. Right. And they just seem, there's so many different types. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? No, they just seem so weird to me. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, like roses. There are thousands of different species of roses. Mm-hmm. They might have similar shapes. Right. But there are all kinds of different crazy colors and, and shapes and sizes and how they grow. Mm-hmm. But that's, like I said before, 270,000. Right. And that's just the ones that we know of. Orchids generally mean, I will always love you. Aww. When, when giving and an orchid... I will <laughs> always love you. All right, don't, don't sing anymore. We're, no, we're going to They're going to take the rights. We're going to get sued. When giving an orchid plant, it's a gesture of sympathy. It's also important to give consideration to the color. Pink and white are traditional colors of sympathy. There are varieties such as the Palanthipilus orchid and the Dendrobium orchid 
are suggested by florists as appropriate plants to denote sympathy. Mm-hmm. So depending on, like I said, color, shape, size, how many, it's going to mean something different. Right. Now, that's just one meaning for, for giving an orchid is I will always love you. Another one that I found is just straight up love, beauty, refinement, beautiful lady, the Chinese symbol for many children, that you're going to have many children. One of these strange flowers that I found, also one of the rarest, is an orchid. It's called the ghost orchid. Okay. It looks really cool. Look at that. Oh, that's kind of creepy. It's kind of like a frog leaping. Yeah. First discovered in 1844 by Jean Jules, or Jean Jules, a Belgian plant collector. The ghost orchid is also called epiphyte, which means grow when attached. It can be found in muddy forests of Florida and Cuba. So probably in those muddy, moss-filled forests where it can cling and it'll grow. Yeah. They might be considered endangered species because of where they grow and how often they grow. They only grow to attached plants on trees. So it's like a, they call it the host tree. Mm -hmm. So where another plant is growing near a tree, the ghost orchid can grow on that. Right. They kind of graft onto it. Right, right. Kind of weird. So here's the thing. They don't have leaves and they only bloom during the months of April to August, just for about three weeks. Wow. That's uh, that is not a very long time. No. They're said that the smell is similar to a light, soapy fragrance. Mm. Mm-hmm. The ghost orchid can only yield one flower at a time, but in some rare cases, they can produce more than 10 flowers. They can grow to about four to five inches and last almost 10 to 14 days before they die. Wow, that is... Uh... That is fleeting. (laughs) Yeah. Carnations, Chris. What do you think of them? Instant breakfast. Instant breakfast. Okay, I gotcha. Sorry. Um, I remember carnations come in lots of different colors. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I remember around, in high school, they would uh, have like a, a drive where you could buy carnations for your friends and lovers in Mm -hmm. high school yeah. And they would they would give them out for uh, like Valentine's Day or something, right? Uh, some of the meanings that I've found for carnations: admiration. The pink carnation stands for remembrance. White carnations stand for pure love and innocence. Mm, pure love. Pure love. It's like pure energy. Mm-hmm. Pure energy. <laughs> pure energy. Some of the other meanings that I found for carnations: the general one that I, I like is. Fascination or divine love. The red one is, my heart aches for you. Mm. Bum, 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 bum. Or admiration. Solid colors, where it's all one color and there's no, like, feathering of mm-hmm. lighter colors or white or something like that. Just basically means yes to an answer or a question. Oh, okay. Definitive. Right. Striped uh, means no. Refusal. Sorry. I cannot be with you. And the yellow carnation stands for, you have disappointed me, or rejection. Now, in Japanese culture, the carnation, or the kanishon, the Japanese meaning is, generally, love. And red carnations are a common gift for Mother's Day, which is coming up soon, people. Yep. 
certainly is. So pretty much any color carnation, it seems that in Japanese culture, it, it has one meaning. Mm-hmm. You're giving a carnation, it means one thing. Right. Where, you know, the European version versus the American version versus wherever else we can find multiple versions and multiple meanings. <laughs> so I had uh, the buttercup in the language of flowers. Okay, is this blossom bubbles end? Like, okay, so when you were a kid, did you ever pick up the buttercup and then you would hold it? This is, this like is the, something a thing that we It's like we that did. old joke. You ever blow bubbles when you were a kid? <laughs> yeah, well, he's back in town and he wants your new number. <laughs> <laughs> so, you you know, the, the, this is a thing that we did as kids. You would uh, pluck a buttercup from the grass because they're, they're kind of weedy, like uh, yeah. very much like uh, dandelions. They just kind of grow mm. places. You pick it up and you hold it under your chin to see if you like butter or not. Is that why you did that? Yeah, well, it's a thing that we did. My chin just lit up. <laughs> lit up like, with yellow. I love I butter. I love butter. But, you know, it was like a kind of a joke sort of thing. But right, what right. is what's neat about it is because how shiny it is, mm-hmm. if you do hold a buttercup under your chin during the sunlight, it will shine, you know what I mean, like a reflect, reflection of yellow under your chin, and you can kind of see it. So just a silly little thing we did as kids, you know, with buttercups. However... Unlike dandelions, which you can pretty much eat almost the whole thing. You can eat the leaves, and you can eat the flowers, and you can eat the the roots. Mm -hmm. Buttercups do not do that with, because they will make you barf. They will. Yeah. Hmm. They are not edible. Yeah. I don't know this from experience, (laughs) but I, you know, because I do my bit of foraging when I make different kinds of wines and things, Mm -hmm. I was like, buttercups, are they edible? And I like kind of, I juggled it, basically, and they were like, nope, do not eat buttercups. Don't do that. Yeah. So... Yeah, we just, uh, me and my lovely lady friend, we just got a foxglove mm-hmm. plant. Right. And they're really pretty. These tall, purpley, don't bell, they, bell-shaped flowers. Don't they kind of like uh, like waterfall? Like the flowers, kind of. don't they kind of like waterfall out? Yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. And then I, I proceeded to go and tell my mom that we had gotten a, a foxglove because she loves plants. Right. And... She's like, well, don't make sure the cat doesn't eat those. Mm. I'm like, why would the cat eat a flower? <laughs> well. But apparently it used to have some kind of medicinal purpose. Right. So let's see. Uh, I'm on WebMD and foxglove is used for congestive heart failure. It has uh, a drug called digoxin in it. Okay. So it's used for relieving associated fluid retention. Wow. Uh, edemia, irregular heartbeat. Arterial fibrillation or, you know, flutters. It also is supposed to help with asthma, epilepsy, tuberculosis, constipation, headache, and spasms. Wow. Yeah. I only remember it in that movie Legend Mm -hmm. with uh, Tom Cruise and Tim Curry where Billy Barty, he's one of the little little people. Yeah. The little elf creatures. Yeah, little elf creatures. And he's making some, like, little potion. He's like, oh, bitch, a foxglove. And (laughs) and I'm like, what the foxglove? Yeah. So, oh, let's see. Um, It can also cause vomiting. So. Oh, like like an ipecac? Yeah. Nice. Apparently. So I won't eat those. Yeah. Maybe not eat it. No. Maybe distill it in a tincture. (laughs) In a vomit tincture? Yeah. You know, something like that. Right. A heart-racing, diarrhea-giving vomit tincture. Right. Sure. This is Diane. And this is Denise. 
of the History Ghost Bump podcast. And when we aren't regaling people with our tales of haunted historic places, we are satisfying our curious appetites with the Curioso podcast. All right, Joe. So in my searching for, you know, weird flowers and plants, Mm. okay, I found these things called lithops. Lithops. Yeah. So it's L-I-T-H-O-P-S. So okay. the first time I was like, ooh, lit hops. What's that? <laughs> lit is hops. It, it has something like to do some with hops. hops right. Yeah, it, it, it is not. Has, okay. Has, is not like hops at all. And then I, I searched like a YouTube video, you know, about like gardening and stuff. And uh, they were like lithops. I was like, oh, so it has nothing to do with hops. Good. Hmm. All right. So um, they're also popularly called living stones. Uh, oh, weird. Yeah. So lithops are uh, just a really neat plant. So they were discovered in 1811. By John Burchill, and he was um, he was walking on the stony ground in uh, in Africa. I believe they're in like southern Africa mostly. And he was picking up stones from the ground. And as he was walking along, he went to go pick up this kind of weird looking stone. And it wasn't a stone; it was actually a plant. Hmm. Uh, so they resemble pebbles, stones. Uh, they kind of grow in colors of gray, brown, rust, green, pink. They have a lot of different intricate markings. They're like stippled almost. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They kind of look, I mean, they are, they really hide among the pebbles. Okay. I mean, they're really hard to tell. Kind of like a mushroom. That's what yeah, it sounds like. They look like a mushroom. Okay. They look like a butt mushroom. Oh, like a butt mushroom. Yeah. So <clears throat> so they kind of look like a little butt. Uh, <laughs> they, they really do. Here, let me, let me flip my computer around so you can take a look. So here's oh, some lithops yeah. right there. So they kind of look like a little butt that's been painted, like, rust and, like, green. Yeah, like you got a dirty color. crack. Yeah. So uh, basically the, the outer butt cheeks of each one of these is, uh, is the, the, the petals. Okay. That's the – or not the petals. I'm sorry. The, the actual leaves. Those are the leaves. Oh. And then eventually during the fall, uh, they start to open up and you get a little flower that grows out of the, the little butthole. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. That's what it looks like. Uh, it kind of starts to split and open, and a flower pops out. <laughs> it, it, wow, that's got to be crazy looking. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so it's, it's really funny. Poops out of flower. It, it looks like it poops out of flower. Wow. Uh, but because these uh, these lithops, they grow in such like arid climates. Uh, are they? Wait, are they a succulent? They are a succulent. Ah, yes. Okay. So they, they hold a lot of water in those leaves. They're modified leaves. To look like butts, mm-hmm. and uh, and they hold like a <laughs> lot of water. They, they were modified specifically to look like butts. Well, no, they were modified specifically to look like stones, which they okay. do. So uh, you know, so they, they don't get eaten, yeah, right? Of you course, know, so yeah. but uh, you know, the old once that once it flowers, it mm. grows two new petals that come out. So it looks like a butt inside of a butt. Oh wow! Yeah, so the, and the other one's kind of like dry and and kind of does it when fall it, away when it's. It flowers out the other butt into the other butt. It's go wong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, the roots aren't very deep. You know, it has mostly just kind of, like, root hairs. Okay, is it like a, a... Very much like succulents. It just, like, succulents, cactuses, stuff like that, where mm-hmm. the roots aren't very, very deep. They kind of just uh, go underneath kinda the like ground a, and spread out. Kind of like a rhizome, real shallow. Right, yeah. Okay. You know, they, and they, they suck up the water, mm-hmm. you know, and they hold lots of water. So... Because they're in such arid climates and they, you know, you just, you're not supposed to really water them. 
Like yeah. you can spray them down every once in a while, mm-hmm. but you know, most of the time they die from overwatering, over-watering which yeah. is like, you know, a lot of cactuses and succulents do the same thing. Yeah. So, but apparently uh, lithops die so easily hmm. that like you pretty much want to water them maybe like twice a year. Wow. And if you have it like say, you know, sitting somewhere like in your kitchen uh-huh. where, you know, like behind your sink because there's a, 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 a window. good window, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's probably collecting enough water just from being by the sink that you don't have to water it at all. Oh, wow. That's you know? cool. So, you know, just from like having the moisture in the air. So, yeah, I just a uh, really cool little plant that uh, that I thought would be good for our flowers episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's one that's uh, flowering that looks like a flower coming out of a butt. Oh, it does. Like it does. a little flowered butthole. Yeah. That's cute. It, yeah, it looks like a butt vase. <laughs> butt vase. <laughs> Not butt face, butt vase. <laughs> oh, a butt. <laughs> but. <laughs> butt vase. A butt vase. Good Lord. Joe, mm-hmm. as you know, I have uh, two tattoos on my arms. Yeah. I have my sacred artichoke uh, on the yeah. one because I love artichokes. They're like my favorite vegetable. Mm-hmm. But I also have my lotus, mm-hmm. right? So just wanted to talk about lotuses a little bit. Okay. So lotuses, uh, mostly one of the big places where they came from was Egypt. Right. Uh, you know, in your kind of like bogs around the Tigris and Euphrates, you know, mm-hmm. you have lotuses mm-hmm. growing. So in uh, in ancient Egypt, there were two main types of lotuses that grew, the white and the pink. Scientifically, a water lily, but symbolically a lotus. lotus. Right. Although in hieroglyphs, the blue lotus is most commonly the, the one portrayed because they think that the, the, the pink water lily lotus was brought there, possibly, okay. a little bit later yeah, on yeah, in our culture. Yeah. Not native mm-hmm. to that area. The lotus flower is a plant that's associated with rebirth. And the reason why is that it supposedly retracted into the water at night and then emerging fresh in the sunlight the next day. So hmm. the the rebirth, when the sun came back up, your lotus would open and it would be like rebirth. Okay. So the Egyptians uh, associated the lotus flower with the sun, which also disappeared at night to reemerge in the morning. Therefore, the lotus came to symbolize the sun and the creation. Hmm. And uh, there's lots of hieroglyphs that depict the emerging of the sun god Nun out of the water. So it's also associated with death. And the famous Egyptian Book of the Dead is known to include spells that are able to transform a person into a lotus, thus allowing resurrection. Ooh. I like the Conan lore mm-hmm. where using the black lotus was sort of akin to like mushrooms. Like silly silly bone Mm -hmm. in the Conan lore. Going on a trip. Exactly. So also in Buddhism, the lotus flower is associated with purity, spiritual awakening, and faithfulness. Hmm. The flower is considered pure as it is able to emerge from murky waters in the morning and be perfectly beautiful and clean. Cool. That's the common one that I found it means too is purity. Purity. Yeah. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. So I have some some different ones here. So the blue lotus is associated with victory of the spirit over wisdom, hmm. spirit over that of wisdom. Intelli- it, so it's like um, ju- just like triumph of the spirit. The white lotus is known to symbolize bodhi or spiritual awakening. It represents the state of mental purity. The purple lo- lotus is known to be mystic and associated with esoteric sex. Not S-E-X, Ooh. but S-E-C. Oh, S-E-C-T-S, sex. Sects? Sext. Sext. Like sexting. (laughs) 
The eight petals of the purple lotus are representative of the noble eightfold path on the principle of the teachings of the Buddha. Hmm. The pink lotus is the supreme lotus, is considered to be the true lotus of the Buddha. The red lotus is related to the heart, and the lotus uh, flower meaning is associated with that of love and compassion, much like many red things. Yeah. All right, Joe, so have you ever, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've given a girl roses before in your life. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So you're... Your traditional one is the red roses, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But when it comes to our punk rock gothic upbringing, yes. when we were into that sort of thing, uh-huh. of course, black roses would be a thing that you would definitely oh. give to a goth girl, right? Of course. Absolutely. But uh, as it turns out, I was checking to see if there was an actual real black rose. There kind of is. So have you you've done a little research on this uh, too? A little bit, but you can say black rose but it's it's more of a super dark crimson red right you'll find naturally otherwise the black ones are dyed so that's the thing there are ways of dyeing it you put in uh like a florist pigment into the water and you can actually dye your roses black and Mm -hmm. uh that's how they get like these weird looking confetti carnations and stuff like that a lot of the time they'll split the stems uh Mm -hmm. you can do the same thing with Pretty much any flowering plant. Right. You can split the stems and put it into like four different colored waters, mm-hmm. and each of the petals will have different colors. Right. So it's really neat. Uh, and you can do the same thing, making a black rose. However, there is one rose that they think is possibly a black rose, and Ooh. it is called the Halfetti rose, and it only grows in Turkey. And of course, they talk about how it can only grow there because of the climate that it's in and things like that. However, mm-hmm. people that have actually gone there, they haven't really found that they're actually black. Right. They're they're like a dark, dark red or a dark, dark blue or something right. like that. And there's there's several that are sold as different kinds of black roses, but they're they're not. They really like there is actually also ways of taking your roses and you can kind of burn them a bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just kind of take a blowtorch to them kind of from far away and it basically wilts them, but it yeah. also turns them black as well. Yes. And that is another way to make black roses. And of course, uh Good old spray paint. Good old spray paint. Is, is another way or to make whole, black roses. Or uh, the you whole know, Alice in Wonderland thing, we're painting the roses red. Painting, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you really want a black rose, there is no apparent genome that turns a rose completely black. Right. So, yeah. uh, and so you would have to um, basically uh, use some kind of, uh, some kind of a black spell. <laughs> there you go. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, That's your, the only In true your black way. room on black paper with a black pen with black light, then you can turn the rose Lighting black. a black candle. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's the only way. The coral rose symbolizes desire. The dark crimson rose symbolizes mourning, which is probably the closest you're going to find to a black rose. Mm-hmm. Dark pink is thankfulness. Lavender is enchantment. An orange rose is fascination. A pale peach rose is modesty. A tea-colored rose is I will remember or always. The thornless rose is love at first sight. Mm-hmm. And this is interesting. White roses and red roses together, like I guess in a, a bouquet, unity and togetherness of forever. And it's the flower emblem of England. Which one? Of England. Red and white roses together. The red, oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I like the fact. Uh, do, you, do you know you know what our state uh, flower is, Joe? Mm, it's like the black-eyed Susan, I The black-eyed Susan. Yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. And uh, I believe, uh, by law, you're technically not allowed to pick them. 
What? Yeah. They grow everywhere. They do. And by Maryland law, however, you are not allowed to pick uh, black-eyed Susans. Oh, wow. So you can't go to the side of the road with a pair of scissors and And nip some off. Uh, Wow. You technically could could be, um, I guess, maybe arrested for it. Arrested? Yeah. Or at least have a citation. Wow. Against you for it. Why? Well, I, I guess, what is it? Because it's, Cause it's the Maryland state flower. Oh, uh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, Joe. I mean, you know, everybody knows that Maryland is crazy about our symbols, like our flags and the crabs. I mean, everybody loves the crabs, and you're not allowed to pick those out of the bay. Uh, I do not, sir. <laughs> <laughs> they make your hands stink. <laughs> the black-eyed Susan, uh, or its Latin name, Rudbetica herta. Okay. Or commonly known as the black-eyed Susan. It's a North American species of the flowering plant. Joe, mm-hmm. it is related to sunflowers. Oh. I guess probably hence the yellow. It looks like a sunflower, too. It looks too. like a, like a it miniature. It looks like a, yeah, a teeny little yeah, like sunflower. a little baby sunflower. Yeah. And what I found in the language of flowers, if you were to pick them illegally mm-hmm. in the state of Maryland <laughs> and give them to someone, the traditional Victorian Mm-hmm. Uh, florography? Yeah, sure. Is that the right word? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, means uh, encouragement. Oh, nice. So, you know, if you're trying to encourage someone. Uh, what's really kind of cool is that apparently it's also found, like, Western and Eastern mm-hmm. parts of the United States. Okay. But it's also found in China. Oh, nice. Yeah. It was also part of the traditional Native American medicinal herbs, mm-hmm. remedies for things like colds or flus, infection, swelling, topically. That is, as a poultice. So, kind of neat. Yeah, I love the black-eyed Susan. Dana has some black-eyed Susans tattooed on her arm. She does, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, Joe, since we're talking about sunflowers, Mm -hmm. well, since we were talking about black-eyed Susans, which have have to do with sunflowers, I have a little bit about sunflowers that I never knew about. Okay. So, I've always thought sunflowers were beautiful. Yeah. Uh, One of the craziest things, so just some, like, little sunflower weird bits. Everybody knows that you you can make sunflower oil, Yes. And, and use that for cooking. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sunflower, sunflower seeds, seeds can be eaten. Tasty. Uh, Native Americans typically took and they would pound sunflowers and make them into different types of grain. Mm-hmm. But, so here's the weirdest thing. And this is just something that we found out recently in probably the early 2000s. Is that sunflowers are what's called hyperaccumulator plants. A hyperaccumulator has the ability to take up high concentrations of toxic metals into their tissues. Oh, wow. Like all land-based plants and flowers, they have a root system, but they have evolved an extremely efficient mechanism for pulling nutrients, water, and other minerals out of the ground, among them zinc, copper, but sunflowers specifically pull other radioactive elements that are then stored in the stems and leaves. So while the sunflower uh, radiation link would seem to be a slow gestating cure-all for modern environmental disasters, we have now figured out a way to employ them in such places. Oh, So in places like Chernobyl, Mm -hmm. Fukushima, and Hiroshima, Mm -hmm. we've actually taken and planted giant fields of of sunflowers to soak up this radiation. So they're not just soaking up the sun, they're now soaking up radiation in the land. Oh, wow. And filtering it. And then they can take and cut down all of the sunflowers. Right. And and they're so, like, they pop out the seeds and they, like, gestate very easily. Mm -hmm. So they they were kind of worried that they were going to... um, Spread it? They were going to... Well, no, they were going to spread... The, uh, the plants were going to spread like an invasive species. Oh, gotcha. But because they kind of grow in such a controlled area, they, mm. were, they were pretty much able to get them all. So oh, they okay. don't really become invasive. Yeah, yeah. And then they take 
all of those plants and then take they can take those to like a waste facility. Mm-hmm. Unlike having to take the land and just take all the topsoil right. and take that to a waste facility, you can literally save yourself hundreds of millions of dollars wow. in, by, using, uh, by using sunflowers instead. Oh, that's cool. The Victorian meaning to give a sunflower uh, is kind of weird. It's false riches. Mm. Oh, that's weird. Blah, 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 blah. Maybe because they look like gold, giant gold coins? Maybe. Yeah, so they in 2001, they did a, a test where they found out the... The lead concentration in in soil was reduced by 43% after having them down for a few years. Wow. Yeah. The project cost Mm $90,000, but it was still $1 million cheaper than it would have been to remediate the 5,700 cubic yards of soil by excavating, lugging the dirt to a hazardous waste refill. uh, Landfill, rather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty amazing thing that sunflowers do that uh, I had no clue at all. That's awesome. Oh, also, sunflowers are heliotropic. Ooh, heliotropic. Which means they turn to face the sun from sunrise to sunset. So they will basically rotate very similar to, uh, what's it called, a uh, like a sundial. Yeah. They will turn to face the sun the whole time. Mm-hmm. And they can grow up to 16 feet Tall. Yeah, they are massive. Huge. Yeah. Absolutely huge. For a flower. Right. They're almost as tall as the, the corpse flowers. Yeah. They're gigantic. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I've i never... They look like a full-on tree. Yeah, they're like prehistoric, almost. You ever seen, like, giant old ferns? Mm-hmm. They're right. as big as a car? Yeah, yeah. Like, man, this is this is what it was like when <laughs> the dinosaurs... This is a massive flower. When the dinosaurs were roaming around. Yeah. You know what I mean? We were talking about them uh, deploying the... Uh, the, sun the, the sunflower to Fukushima. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a photographer around Fukushima that took a picture of some daisies okay. in Japan. They were malformed. So basically, uh, it, he, he put them on Twitter, and it basically looks like, well, we're back to the butts again, Joe. They kind of look like the da- like the centerpiece of, mm-hmm. the, of the daisy. It, it looks like basically two of them growing head to head. Here, I'm going to turn around so you can take okay. a look. Oh, wow. Right. Now, is this due to radiation? So this is what uh, the photographer possibly thought, which is why he took pictures of them and he sent them. However, mm-hmm. that has been refuted by several different sources, thinking, saying that uh, it's possible that it is the radiation. Well, I mean, because the trees around Chernobyl did some weird stuff, too. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So the flower deformity could be induced by radiation, says Jeffrey J. Doyle, a professor of plant biology at Cornell University. However, this is a pretty common mutation in daisies, and I've seen it sporadically in various places not associated with radioactivity. So the thing is, is that it could be the radiation. It maybe isn't the radiation. But that's the weird thing about radiation is that, you know, when you get like a mutagen, Mm -hmm. which radiation can be a mutagen. Yeah. It basically just, it takes like your DNA and it basically scrambles it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that that's why, you know, mutations happen. Mm-hmm. So I did see some pictures of people that were growing vegetables in and around where Fukushima was or basically where there is some low-level radiation, but they're allowed to, 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 to be. Right. Uh, where, like, there were some cucumbers where a, uh, a leaf was actually growing out of the side of the cucumber. Oh, weird. Things like that. And uh, tomatoes that were all very lumpy, but... You know what I mean? Like, it looked like a whole bunch of different tomatoes that all, had all grown together and things like that. However, mm-hmm. I would say that, I mean, have you ever really seen, like, heirloom tomatoes? 
Oh, yeah. Some of those things can be real ugly. Oh, yeah. They're lumpy and all, like, brown but sometimes. But absolutely delicious. Oh, yeah. The you best know? tomatoes ever. Right. So I would say that, you know, it, it's possibly the radiation that, that uh, genetically messed up these uh, daisies, but it is a normal genetic mutation that can happen. Look at uh, the, the X-Men. Mutations want to mutate. The meaning that I found for daisies is innocence, loyal love... I'll never tell. I'll never tell. And, of course, purity. Uh, just some... It's a lot of flowers that just mean purity. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Well, it's like like you think of flowers, you think of kids, you know, running around. They're pure, running around the yard, picking flowers, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. You know, purity seems to be a, a huge symbol of flowers. And, and I know? don't think, I mean, flowers... I don't think they ever had a dark connotation. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's always something positive. Unless you're talking about that black rose. Yeah, well, not real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> True. The peony, or peone, is a flowering plant in the genus Peonia, the only genus in the family Peoniense. They are native to Asia, Europe, and uh, Western North America. Hmm. Their meaning is shame. Oh. Or a gay life, or happy marriage, or my favorite, anger. Mm. So we found one. Really? They're so beautiful. Yeah. But we, I just... They're just all like pink and purple. I don't know. They don't look like very angry uh, peonies to me. <laughs> They're really quite beautiful. What about this guy? What is that? It looks like uh, he's sticking his tongue out at me. <laughs> it is known as the Darwin's Slipper, or the Happy Alien, or... The Calcarea uniflora, mm-hmm. first discovered in 1831 to 1836 by Charles Darwin, found exclusively in Tierra del Fuego, South America. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they're also known as chambermaids. So I've heard that name before. I've never the heard chambermaid. Yeah, I've never heard Darwin slipper or happy alien. Right. But it looks like a flower that has sort of a face and like a floofy cape or something. With like their arms sticking out. Yeah. 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 Uh, is that, that's, so that's another orchid, right? I think it is in the, in the family of orchids. Right. Freaking orchids are so weird. But it is a rather rare flower because it only grows in that certain area. Shallow root system, mm-hmm. like, like the other orchids, lives typically on sandy or stony soil. The blooms appear in the summer and are held above a rosette of oblong leaves on a stalk that's about four to five inches tall. And it's said it gives the impression of them moving along the ground because they're so short and it kind of looks oh. like they're moving. Yeah, they kind of like know? they're like marching swaying. along. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a really neat looking flower. All right, Joe. Are you ready for uh, some dirty time orchids? Ooh, dirty time. Have you ever heard of the <laughs> naked man orchid? What? Is this <laughs> like the little ginseng guys? Yeah, yeah. The, it, the mandrake? Yeah, it looks yeah. like a little, but it's, so it's a purplish flower, okay? Mm. Uh, and it just looks, the flower looks like a naked man. So it has like two arms, two eggs, and, uh, and. Wait, two arms and two eggs? Two legs. Oh, two, two arms. Legs. Two legs. Sorry. I bit. <laughs> two eggs. So we, well, okay. maybe. So here's, all right, pause on the naked man orchid for one second. Boop. So we went to our friend's, uh, uh, our friend's birthday party, which mm-hmm. he already always has around Cinco de Mayo. Right. Uh, so he has a thing he calls Pinata Panic. Mm-hmm. You might know him as Scott, 
our buddy Scott. Oh, we, the Scott. The Scott. Well, mm-hmm. we talk about him sometimes. Mm-hmm. Scott had a pinata panic party, and I was grabbing some ginger candy out of one of the pinatas. Mm-hmm. And it, it was kind of chewy, like taffy, right? So I bit down on it, and I was like, okay, it should, like, smush. But it was so hard, I guess probably because it was, like, so old, like, ginger taffy mm-hmm. candy stuff, that it cracked in half. And as it cracked, I basically bit the left side of my tongue Yeah, so oh. hard that I'm having a hard time talking. So I'm like... He really sounds like this. That's why he's talking so slow. I'm trying to, like, <laughs> enunciate, but it's not working out. I'm like, legs, and you hear eggs. I'm like, I oh, heard, Jesus. I totally heard eggs. No, okay, all right. Two so, eggs. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I apologize that I bit my tongue so hard I'm having a hard time talking. Uh, no so, worries. So uh, unpause, back to Naked Orchid Man. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's also known as the hanging man because okay. the back of the stem looks like it comes out of the back of the guy's neck. Oh, like a gallows? Mm-hmm. Oh, right. wow. So they resemble t- tiny little hanging men. And then also, alternately, they have another little tiny hanging man in between the two leg-looking pieces. What? Meaning he looks like he has a dongus. <laughs> It is the funniest thing. And it's another orchid, so it's like bi- it can be bilaterally uh, split, mm. you know, and it looks the same. They always are a light purplish white or go to also deep purpley pink. Hmm. So it's classified as threatened status because of its popularity using it for anti-diarrheal, anti-flatulent uh, properties. Wow. So another fact is that these uh, little flowers are used in the drink salep also called Turkish Delight. I've, oh, I've had Turkish Delight. Have you? The candies. Right. But no, Rather this is drink. a drink oh, called wow. Turkish no, Delight, and these that. little guys are in there. So I don't know if you can see it. Oh, yeah, it kind of does look like a If you pick dude. one out, it looks like a little guy, yeah. and he also has another little guy hanging out between his <laughs> legs there. Sweet. He has a dongus. <laughs> and it, so it looks like a little naked man. It looks like a ring of little naked dudes. Right. Well, that, that's like a whole bunch of them gathered together. Let me see if I can't find you a picture. Here you go, Joe. Here's one that looks like it, it's like a little bit closer up. Oh wow, he's like got like a little hat on, a little boner. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it looks like mandrake, but like the flower version. He's got like a little flower boner. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Oh jeez. All right, Joe. So we're still in uh, flowers. Uh, yeah. Flowers at night here. Mm-hmm. The Pectoria iata also known as the hooker's lips. Oh, no. Yes. Uh, well, they're not that bad, they, but they do look like a full, like a pair of very full uh, red lipstick Labia lips. majoras. So, uh, so the bright red lips that resemble a hooker's bright red lips are actually bracts, not the petals. Hmm. Uh, and they're only uh, available in the kissable-looking state uh, <laughs> for a few days until a tiny little yellow flower pops out between them. Oh, interesting. They're uh, native to uh, Colombia, Costa Rica, and Panama, but due to its popularity with collectors and deforestation it's natu- of its natural habitat, it is now on the endangered list. So uh, here you go. Here's what it looks like. Oh, yeah. It kind of looks like that uh, Rolling Stones album cover. But without the tongue sticking out. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But it does. It looks like full yeah, red lips does. with yeah. uh, with uh, bright red lipstick on. Yeah, that's cool. Absolutely. All right, Chris. I've got one called the Parrot's Beak. Oh, what's that? It actually looks more like a lobster claw to me. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's it's sort of curved at the end like a, like a parrot's beak. This one is extremely rare. Discovered in 1884, 
Discovered by our friend Captain Cook. Oh, really? And it's in the Lotus family. It can be found in rare parts of the United States and the Canary Islands. The Clenanthius penicoeus is one of the rarest flowers in the world. Mm. So I reinstate that. The scientific name is Lotus berthelilius berthelotti, but it's actually a member of the legume family. Legumes. Hmm. Develops four to eight feet tall and 48 feet wide. Uh, It looks like it's a full sun plant. Comes in colors of orange, yellow, red, and white. But apparently the white, the natural white colors are the most rare to find. Yeah, just kind of neat. It really does kind of look like a a parrot's beak or a lobster claw. Mm Mm-hmm. But highly rare. So I have a really cool one, Joe. This is a heavier, this one is called the beehive ginger. Oh. And it looks here, let me flip it around. It looks like a little tiny beehive. Yeah, no, I've seen those. I think they're called beehive gingers. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's related to ginger. It's zing zingbeer spectrable. Mm-hmm. I'm, that I'm sounds right. Yeah. We're so, me and you with our Latin is that's not gonna work, but yeah, well, it's I fine. Know. Well, so they look like a little pine cone kind of mm-hmm. top, uh, and they have little cups or honeycombs. Are actually co- are actually the bracts, and they collect water and give off the fragrance of ginger. Uh, they can be cultivated indoors, but they require a, a lot of room. The flowers are tiny and white and sometimes resemble little honeybees that appear between the bracts. Isn't that cute? That's awesome. It looks like honeybees are on, to, on just on them. So the beehive ginger, uh, to you know, have it as like a cut flower, are very prized because the, the flowers last for a very, very long time after being cut. So you can actually keep them, you know, in your vase for a very long time. Neat. All right, Joe. So I didn't realize. I know I have a basil plant, mm-hmm. okay, and I know part of the basil plant. Is it when basil it, or basil? Basil. <laughs> well, I, I keep uh, Italian basil. I mm-hmm. grow it every year, yeah, yeah, just yeah. for us to make you know different things. So when I make pasta or you know uh, mozzarella caprese, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, stuff like that. It's so that I can I can take it and pluck a few off. But yeah, yeah. Uh, part of it is you have to actually break off the flowers. Otherwise, it'll actually start to change, like the flavor, the flavor of the basil. Yes. It'll start to become more woody and things like that. So mm-hmm. you really want to k- keep those nipped off. However, this year I got sage. Okay. Not thinking about it. And uh, I came home one day and it has these beautiful purple flowers all over it. Mm-hmm. I didn't, re- I, mean, I just didn't even think about it. The fact that it would uh, that it would bloom as well, you know, the same way that your your basil would. Right. I don't know why. I mean, but beautiful little flowers. And now I'm worried that it's flowered. I don't want to cut it or anything because it's so pretty. <laughs> yeah. But I'm worried that it's going to change like the flavor of the sage. It might, but eh, not by much. I don't know, but uh, you know, but it's it's absolutely beautiful little purple flowers. You should try so. the the purple basil. It's a smaller leaf. Mm-hmm kind of sweeter right. than a regular basil and they, they flower as well and it's just pretty little white flowers yeah i'll have to get some this year yeah I, I actually really enjoy gardening i always find like old gas cans and stuff like mm-hmm. that and i wind up like cutting the tops off of them usually right. it's hot peppers like i have hot peppers they're and so hops. easy to grow they really are they really you know? are especially I mean, during the summertime my favorite thing is is chives or or onions mm-hmm. just right. i use a lot of them yeah, yeah. Uh, I and I remember being a little kid and foraging for wild onions. Oh yeah, absolutely. You, you know exactly what they look like. Yeah, it's like an onion stalk. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Yeah, you uh, can dig them up and throw them in a salad. Yeah, just chop them up and you're, you're good. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I think now I have, I've got mint, catnip, uh, chives. I, I, my mom and my family has been growing stuff for as long as I can remember. Right. So it's, uh, anyway, there's some flowers for you, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I have a colony of bees at my house. <laughs> if I can figure out how to get up that tree, I'll Winnie the Pooh my ass up there. I'm like, you know, I'm going to try. Gonna, those bees are going to do wonders for my garden this year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure. All right. Well, Curiosos, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, that is our flowers episode. The language of flowers. Black Eyed Susan. Joe, I don't know if you want to put this on the episode or not, but okay. now that we're talking about Black Eyed Susan, I feel uh-huh. like I want to do like some sort of a film or like a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Called like Black Eyed Susan. You is know it what I mean? A girl named Susan who has a black eye. No, no, she I'm runs around like, like some sort of horror movie, like Black Aggie. You know oh. what I mean? We can do like some sort of horror movie based. Uh, TM, by the way, that's ours. So if anybody's listening, Maryland centric Black Eyed Susan. You have to come, you have to, come to us for rights and pay us a lot of money. You know um, what I mean? We could do something like that. You know, some sort of ghosty Black Eyed Susan it horror could, movie? It could, or we could do like a Black Snake Moan thing where mm-hmm. it's just a, a girl named Susan who has a black eye and you have no reason why, and she's running around all Tarantino-like right? trying to even some score. Kind of like a spit on your grave sort of thing? Yeah, kind of. You know? Yeah. Do you think we can get Christina Ricci for this? Uh, uh, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I would just... I mean, just I'd, throwing it out there. I would say, yeah, let's try that. Yeah, okay. We'll I give it a try. She'd be, she'd be yeah. awesome. I'm pretty sure I worked with a guy who was in high school with her. So, really? you know, yeah, up hmm. in uh, New York. Cool. So, weird little thing. <laughs> so, anyway, all right, cool. Well, uh, I'm out of here. Flowers. Done. Flower power. Thank you for listening to the Curioso podcast. You can tweet us at. Curioso Podcast. You can also check out our videos, youtube.com backslash Curioso Podcast. You can call our voicemail line, leave us a message, 443-327-9673. On your touchtone phone, that spells Hydasaur. On the Curioso.com website, on the left-hand side, you can help support the show by clicking on our Amazon link. And if you're a real Curioso, we need you to go on and give us a great five-star review on iTunes. It will help us get more listeners, and it'll make you feel good about yourself. Now, isn't this, uh, so it... It actually dates, hold on. Okay, sorry. I, I will let you have it. Go ahead. The X Men, mm-hmm. Charles. We are the future. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> whatever he says. You know, but it's it's a mutation. Yeah, snicked. Oh, all right, let's start that over again because I, I, it's it like.